Father, that we will not just be hearers of the word, but we'll be healed from our infirmities. For many came to hear and to be healed. And therefore this morning, Lord, I pray that Lord, even as we hear your word, receive your word, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. That every bondage and every yoke will be broken under the anointing. Therefore, break the yoke that binds us. But let us take your yoke upon us and enable us to be those people who will learn of you and then, and therefore find rest for our souls. To that, end, to that end, I pray that you would bless the hearing and the speaking of today's word. We just want to thank you once again. We praise you. We give you glory for in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have just couple of us here this morning, but uh, we will go to the Word of God. Can we turn to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17? Verse 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed. That's, that's okay, Sam. Let's leave it like that. Okay? I'm, I'm, able to, I'm able to read. So just, that's okay. okay. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. So we need to understand that the word of God or the gospel of Christ is the power of God. And it is just not a message. It is the power of God. And what is the end result is a salvation. And who will be saved? Everyone who believes. And what is salvation? It is salvation just not the beginning of it. It is the salvation to the uttermost. And therefore, that therefore we come and study the word of God. So today, this morning, we will look at how generally we should respond. Because uh, it how we respond to the word of God will determine our spiritual growth and therefore our eternal destiny. Uh, if you would turn again to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you can, we'll read uh, what is the gospel. He's talking about how the gospel is preached. 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's read just verses 1 and 2. It says... <clears throat> Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So you see, there are so many verbs over there. First, there's a preaching of the word. Um in Titus chapter 1, um, Paul says, In the last days he has manifested the word of God through preaching. And in First Corinthians, um, Paul will say, he says, It is the foolishness of preaching which will save people. Therefore, first act is the word of God that has to be preached. Second, because that is the reason why he says, Unless uh, there is a people, there is a, there is a person who is preaching, how will they believe? And therefore we have to send the word of God. Therefore it's a preaching which is the most important thing in the last day. It is, it is just not lecturing, it is the preaching. Okay, preaching is, is, is a total different thing altogether. Second, once the word is preached, it has to be received by faith. You'll see that in verse 1. Which I preached to you, which you also received. 
So um, you, you'll see in like Hebrews chapter four, the word which the, the the gospel that preached was preached to them did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith. Therefore, the the preaching of the word of God is important. The receiving of the word of God by faith is important, and not only that, we should also be able to stand firm on the word that we have received. Because there will be so many false doctrines and false gospels which will come in the last days and which will try to waver us. That is the reason why it says in Ephesians chapter 4, we have given you some pastors, teachers, oh, sorry, apostles, prophets, uh, pastors, teachers and uh, the fivefold uh, office is given for the equipping of the saints so that you will no longer be people who will be, uh, who'll be uh, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Therefore, you have to stand in the word that you have received. Therefore, it says in Jude chapter 1, uh, contend for the faith or contend for the teaching that has been once and for all delivered to you. Therefore, you have the preaching of the word is important. You have to receive the word by faith. Third thing, you have to stand on the word that you have received. Fourth, you have to hold fast. You see that? You'll see in verse 2. Uh, by which if you hold fast the word which I preach to you. Hold fast. That means until the end you should hold fast and then you will be saved. That, that is the reason why in um, Matthew it says, by patience, by endurance, you will save your soul. So it's so important for us to, um, to, to understand these, these uh, simple truths. It's just not the preaching of the word of God. It is a receiving of the word, just not the receiving of the word of God. It is believing the word of God. It is just not believing the word of God. It is standing, fa- standing fast on the word of God. It is just not standing fast. It is holding the word of God till the end that will um, that will ensure that you are saved. Therefore, uh, this is a lifelong process. Once you are saved, it is something which you have to dedicate your life to. And that is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, uh, he says, give yourselves completely, completely to it, okay, to the reading of scriptures, etc. And let your growth and your growth or your uh, spiritual growth be apparent to everyone. Therefore, this is important. Preaching of the word of God is absolutely important and how we receive the word of God is also important because we know from gospel according to Mark, sorry, um, uh, Luke's gospel, we know that many people heard the word of God, but not everybody is healed. Okay, When you're talking about healing, we're just not talking about physical healing. We're talking about healing in different aspects, healing from healing, especially in our soul. That is the reason why it says the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the broken hearted. So its response to the word of God is so important and it is manifested to, through preaching. If you turn again to just uh, Titus chapter 1 verses 1 to 3, um, I mentioned this but I just wanted to uh, reiterate again. Look at what it says. <clears throat> Paul, a bond servant of, Christ, of God and, of, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to faith of God select and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. So there's a truth which accords with godliness. That means what you, the word which you receive, which will, de- will, will, will determine how godly you become. Verse two, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. Verse three, but in these last days or in, the, in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of our Lord and Savior. Okay. So the preaching is so important. Don't ever discard this. Therefore, second thing, the response. And you'll know you have three Gospels which uh, uh, talk about the parable of the sower, right? Uh, And we know there are four kinds of soil. The hard soil, the second is the soil which which is very shallow, 
this there's not depth in it third we know the thorns and fourth of course is the fertile soil now and these four kinds of uh, soils dip, uh, dip, uh, represent four kinds of believers why am, why am i saying it is believers because the gospel is the bible is not written to unbelievers it is written primarily to believers okay and therefore and the and the most important and the first thing that many people do is it says in luke's gospel chapter 8 it says when they received the word of god they trampled it underfoot okay they trampled it okay and um, if you remember um Moses, when uh, when gospel, I mean, when in the, in the book of Deuteronomy and also in the book of Joshua, he says, when you enter into the promised land, you have to drive out seven nations, and one of the nations you have to drive out is the Jebusites, okay? Okay, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Hivites, the Hittites, etc., the Amorites, etc. And one of the uh, one of the strongholds is the Jebusites, and where do Jebusites occupy? They occupy a place called Jerusalem, remember? And Jerusalem is occupied by Jebusites, and it is there till the days of David. Okay, and what is Jebusite? It's very interesting. The word Jebusite comes from the word Jebus, which means to trample or to tread down underfoot. And what is Jerusalem represents? Jerusalem represents the teaching of the word of God, Yara Shalem, which means the teaching which causes you to go towards perfection, which em, which encourages and exhorts you to go towards perfection. Perfection meaning, um, God says that just as I am complete you also be perfect or complete in in as far as uh, you understand that to the light that you receive you have to uh, 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 attempt or rather um, push yourselves towards perfection or um, press on towards perfection right so what is jerusalem it is a teaching which empowers you to and exhorts you and encourages you to to seek god and what does a jebusite spirit do it tramples the very word of god which is on uh, which is which you which you receive the it's a spirit which treads down which which does not value holy things that is the reason why it says in matthew chapter 6 he says don't throw your pearls before swine and don't give the things which are holy to the dogs lest they do what they trample and they come back and destroy see they trample okay so these are these are very very important uh, truths and therefore we, we have to be very very careful as to how we respond to the word of god as we, as, as you know there are four kinds of soil that means uh, if you have to take the whole part that means 75% of the people don't respond properly. Because there are four kinds of soil, right? 75%, I mean, that's a very rough estimate. 75% don't respond. Of the 25% who respond, one third of the 25% only will bring forth fruit and, until 100%. That means, one third of 25, just imagine, that is 8% of the total people who receive the word of God will actually bring forth fruit unto maturity, which is hundredfold. Okay, that's a remarkable statistic. It's a very depressing statistic, actually. Okay, eight percent. It is not even eighty twenty. <laughs> okay, in the, in the in the management realm, you'll say, oh, but we'll talk about the eighty twenty rule. Generally, eighty percent will reject, twenty percent will accept. But in the in the in the kingdom of God, it is only eight percent, roughly. Okay, so the first kind tramples. The second kind, there is no depth. Third kind, they're, they're, they're trapped by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures of this life. What do they do? They choke the word and they do not bring forth fruit unto, uh, to, to maturity. And out of the three, three kinds of uh, people who are, who bring forth fruit, only one third, if you will, of those one fourth will actually bring forth fruit. That means one twelfth, one twelfth 
of of the people who receive the word of God actually bring forth fruit to maturity. That's eight percent. Remarkable. So, how do we respond to the word of God? Is so 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 important. It, it 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 is it is something which we uh, will never take it lightly. Okay. If you turn again to Luke's Gospel chapter eleven, Luke's Gospel chapter. Just want to put a few verses in perspective, and let's read from verse twenty nine onwards. Okay. Luke's Gospel chapter eleven, verse twenty nine to thirty six. <clears throat> <clears throat> while And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of South will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. And then go on. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And you will remember the fast of Jonah, or fast of Nineveh, from the least to the greatest. And all the animals also fasted and including the king, he emptied his throne and he went on a fast. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. And then he says, verse 33. Why is the preaching given? No one, when he has lit up lamp, puts it in the secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand that those who come in may see the light. The whole purpose of the teaching is to that your, your eyes will be opened and you begin to see light. Your eyes will be enlightened. Right? So, verse 34 will say, the lamp of the body, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The lamp of the body is your eye. It means eye is the faculty of your spirit which is able to perceive and understand the things of God. The lamp of the body is your eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, KJV uses the word, when your eye is single, okay. When your eye is single, your whole body, that means your temple of God, which is your body, is full of light. But when your eye is bad, or rather distracted and distracted with so many other things, your whole body is full of darkness and therefore the light in you is darkness. Oh, Matthew will say, how great that? Darkness. So, <clears throat> it's very, very important for us to take take the light, guard it, and receive it, and respond according to uh, <clears throat> the way that God expects us to respond. Alright? There is a response that God expects from us. And that is the reason why he says, um, let not, let, don't receive the word of God in vain. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. So this morning, I want to look at some one chapter in the Bible which kind of gives a response of different kinds of people to the preaching of the word. And I'm, when I'm talking about the word, I'm talking about the literal text. When they read the text, as to how they respond. Okay, and uh, of course uh, that is found in Jeremiah chapter thirty-six. Um, uh, one of the things that um, I do regularly is to read through the book of Jeremiah because that is how I started my spiritual journey. <laughs> okay, so it's very close to my heart. The reason why it's close to my heart is. Very simple. If all the prophets you read in the Old Covenant, things in the book of Isaiah, some of the parts in Isaiah are very difficult to understand. They're not straightforward because um, Isaiah himself is a very articulate, um, brilliant, uh, what do you say, literature guy who expresses the thoughts that God gives him in incredible ways. He's one of the most advanced uh, okay, literature guys, okay. If you read the other prophets also, there's so many things in Hosea and, and Micah and all the other minor prophets, so-called. There's certain things that we don't understand, which is not very clear. But when you come to the book of Jeremiah, 
very rarely you find the things in the book of Jeremiah which are unclear, except you'll see the last part when he's prophesying to the nations, you can interpret it in several ways. But there are so many truths. In fact, I would say 90% of the book of Jeremiah is so straightforward. One thing, very simply, simply stated. Second thing, third thing, it is repetitive. The same message is repeated a number of times. And what is the response? It's interesting, those people, there are three, uh, what do you say, um, invasions that happen. And three times the Babylonians come and they take Part of every time they come, they, they take part of uh, Judah to exile, and the third time they come, they completely destroy uh, to destroy the temple as well. And these three times, every time the word of God comes, the response of the people is on the negative. Okay, and when finally they are taken away to captive, a few people are left ba- left behind in the in the land. Okay, there are there these are the people who are not who are not very important. They are the they are the, the so-called the the rejects of society. God says, "I have left you here," and you know what happens? The word of the Lord comes to those people after the exile has happened, after people have been taken taken been taken away into captivity. A few people are left in the land, and the word of God comes to them, and He says, "Stay in this land. Don't go." The word of the Lord which comes to them before uh, this happens is that don't stay in the land, go. <laughs> go into captivity. The second time it comes is stay in the land, don't go. What do you what do you think they do? They don't respond. Where do they go? They go to Egypt. They come and say, Jeremiah, you go and inquire of the Lord. Please, whatever your, whatever the Lord says, we will do. But you know what they do? When Jeremiah comes with the word, with the word of God, what the what he receives from the word of God, he they receive the word of God and they do what they want to do, and it is a sad story. Okay, in the, in the entire book of Jeremiah, it has a sense of irony in the book of Jeremiah. You'll see that in in chapter two he says, or chapter four if I'm right, he says, "Can an Ethiopian change his color and and a leopard its spots?" Pastor, thank you, thank you so much. Can an Ethiopian change his color? Or a leopard its spots? Okay. So, and the answer is, nobody can change. But the irony of the book of Jeremiah is that there's one Ethiopian eunuch who actually changes after he hears the word of God. And he protects the, protects the prophet. He's called Ebed-Melech. And is that, that word Ebed-Melech is a title actually. What does Ebed-Melech mean? The servant of the king. He doesn't even have a name. And what is he? He's a eunuch. He doesn't even have any rights. And what does he do? He responds at the preaching of Jeremiah. And all the others, there are only two people, if you read the entire book of Jeremiah, there are only two people who respond positively to the message of, of message of Jeremiah. One is Ebed Melech and the second is Baruch. Okay. It's a sad story. Okay. It's one of the most incredible story, uh, pro- prophecies and it is, it is depressing in one sense because you'll see how set in their ways were the people of Judah. And God had to do a deep work in, 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 in all of them in order to uh, rid them of their idolatry. So this morning I just want to look at Jeremiah chapter 36 in, yeah, sorry. Is that? <clears throat> so, if you turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 36, let's read from verses 1 to 3 only. 1 to 3, Jeremiah chapter 36. 1 to 3 of Jeremiah chapter 36. 
Now it, came, now it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah. Now if you read through the book of Jeremiah, you will know one of the things that you will understand, it is not a chronological account. Okay, uh, It's not chronologically uh, uh, recorded in the book of Jeremiah. So it came to pass in the fourth year. So sorry for the interruption, we just had some technical issues. So we are back. So Jeremiah chapter 36, let's read from verse 1 to 3. Now it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, <clears throat> this is in the fourth year, okay? Let's read on. So now it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, next verse, verses 2 and 3, take a scroll of a book and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel, against Judah, against all the nations, from the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah, even to this day, and verse 3, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the adversities that which I purpose to bring upon them, that everyone may turn from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and and their sin. So you'll see that this, the in verse 2, if you go back to verse 2, it says, um, take a scroll of a book and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you. First, there are three audiences over here. Uh, first audience is Jeremiah, the one who has to receive the word. Second is, of course, Israel and Judah, that is God's own people. And third is all nations. So there are three people to whom the word is tar- targeted. And what is the purpose of the word? Verse 3, it says, <clears throat> that they may, when they hear the word, fear all the adversities which I purpose to bring upon them, that everyone may turn his evil way. And that I may forgive their iniquity and heal their sin. The times of ignorance, God has winked at. But now, what does he do? He's expecting all people everywhere to repent. That's the whole purpose of the preaching of the word of God. That we will repent. And what is repenting? Changing our mind. Changing the way we think. Changing our value systems. Okay. We've been given all kinds of worldly categories that are there in our mind to replace them with the, with the things of God and with the way God thinks. Okay. So first thing he says, Jeremiah, I'm speaking the word to you. Okay. And the way you respond is very important first. If you turn to 1516 of Jeremiah, the way he responds, look at how it, how Jeremiah responds to God's word. 1516. Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 16. Yeah, 16 and onwards. Okay, chapter chapter 15 verse 16 onwards. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. This is how Jeremiah responds. I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of your hand, for you have filled me with indignation. One of the things he, he does is that he never wants to sit in the speak, in the place where there are mockers. Those people who try to lessen the standards of the word of God. Now if you re- remember, when Elisha is being uh, taken on this journey from Gilgal to, to Jordan, onto the other side before he receives the uh, double portion anointing. He goes goes through different, different places. You know, every place is, has a particular spiritual uh, significance. He starts from Gilgal, which is essentially the place of separation. Second, he goes to the place called Bethel. And Bethel is the house of God, right? That we know, understand that it is the house of God. And you'll understand at Bethel, there are a place, uh, uh, there are a bunch of guys called the, the, they're called, they're called the sons of the prophets. There's a prophetic school over there. They come to Elisha and say, uh, Elisha, your, um, 
uh, the Lord has told that your master is going to be taken away from you. So Elisha says, be quiet. And uh, and uh, Elijah says, stay here. I'm go- God has called me to Jericho. And uh, you re- you'll remember that Elisha says, as you as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I will I will keep on following. Why does he not stay in Bethel? Bethel is, in fact, the house of God. But what happens in Bethel is very important. Bethel is a place where there's there's a, there's a spiritual condition of Bethel. You remember who were there in Bethel? When Elisha comes back, there are some guys who are in Bethel. What do they do? When Elisha comes back with a double portion anointing, what do they do? They begin to mock him. You see that? They begin to mock him. What do they say? Hey, bald prophet, hey, bald prophet. That is the spiritual state of Bethel. And you know what, what uh, uh, Elisha says? I am not going to sit in the seat of mockers. I am not going to sit in the seat of scoffers. I am going to follow you until I get the anointing and until I have the ability to withstand the mockers and to speak to them. And to counter every argument that they give for the word of God. That is the reason why it says the spirit which was in uh, Stephen. They were not able to gainsay the words that he spoke. Though he was speaking with such authority and power and the unction of the Holy Spirit was upon him. And when he was speaking, they were not able to withstand. And they were stopped. They were trying to mock the spirit which was inside him. And But he was able to speak with them with authority. Why? God's word says, in the last days who will come? Mockers will come. What will they do? They will be following their own lusts. And what do they say? Where is the promise of his coming? But they are willfully ignorant. Okay. But what does Jeremiah say? When the word of God came, I ate it. If you turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 2. Verse 6 onwards. Verse 6 onwards. Yeah. And you son of man. Do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though they be um, thorns. Okay, and and you, son of son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words, or be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear it or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. Okay, and verse verse seven and eight. But you, son of man. Hear what I say to you. Okay. But you hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like the rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. <laughs> so what is the prophet? Please tell you the prophet. Prophet, there will be a bunch of guys who will keep on mocking you. Okay. They will say, what are you talking about? They will try to mock the anointing over your life. They will try to mock the office that God has given you. They will try to mock the calling that God has over your life. They will try to mock and compare you with so many other preachers and say, what are you when compared to all these guys? Okay. They will mock. Okay. But what, what are you supposed to do? You're not supposed to leave your post. You do not be like those rebellious souls. Open your mouth and eat. And what happens in verse 9? Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me and behold a scroll of a book was in it. And what was in it? Was was uh, 8 and 9? Was 10 onwards? Now he spread it before me and there was writing on inside and on outside. Written on it was a lamentations and mourning and woe. So what should Ezekiel do? He has to eat. Don't be rebellious. You eat it. So what, what does he do therefore in chapter 3? Verses 1 and 2. 1 and 1 to 3. Okay. Ezekiel chapter 3. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat the scroll. 
and go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. I love that word. He caused me to eat. In other words, I didn't have the appetite to eat it. Okay. And God gave me the appetite. God gave me the taste buds to enjoy his word. Even though there were lamentations and there were mournings and there was woe, God gave me. In verse 3, what, what happens? And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with the scroll that I give it to you. So I ate it and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Let me tell you, my dear brothers, this is how we have to respond to the word of God in our lives. When whatever comes our way, Lord, let me eat it. Okay. Even if it is karela. Okay. Bitter. That's what it happens in Revelation chapter 10. No, John is given, it was honey to his mouth, but when it went, into, went inside, it became what? Bitter in his stomach. So whatever it is, Lord, the good, the bad, and the ugly. All of the word of God I want. You see, if you uh, if you read through the gospels, you will see in John's gospel chapter 2, John's gospel chapter 2 is very interesting. There are two parts in John's gospel chapter 2. In first part, Jesus is invited to this wedding. And what does he do? He converts what? Water into wine. <laughs> okay. What does he do? He, this is what? Water has been transformed into wine. And what does wine bring? Wine is a symbol of joy and celebration. So what did he do? He converted water into wine and transformed. That is, a, that is basically the power of transformation. And it brings joy into that, into that place. That is, that is, the, that is essentially what, whenever Jesus comes, he brings joy into the place. And second, if you see in the book of, in, in, in the gospel according to John, he goes to Jerusalem during the time of Passover. And what does he do? He see, he sees all the money changers over there and he takes a whip and he drives them out of the money change, out of the, out of the temple. Remember that? There is a Jesus who turns water into wine and everybody likes that. We call him wine Jesus. Okay, and there is a Jesus who takes the whip. We call him <laughs> whip Jesus. Everybody wants the whip, a wine, but then nobody wants the whip. Okay, I will drive out these nations. He says, "These are nations which are more powerful than you." Who are the first fellows I have to drive out? I want to drive out the Can- drive out the Canaanites from among you. Who are the Canaanites? These are merchants. These are the merchant spirit, the merchant attitude in all of in all of us. All those attitudes in our heart which only look for gain. What is in it for me? That fellow I have to drive out. These are nations which are more powerful and strong than you. And little by little, God has to keep on driving out the merchandise spirit inside of each one of our hearts. And he takes the whip and he cleanses the temple and he asks him, Who gave you this authority? Show us, show us a sign. And he says, there is one sign. Why did I have the authority to cleanse the temple? I'll tell you why I have the authority to cleanse the temple. Because there's one sign. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it raise it up on the third day. I am the God who is going to die for this temple. I am going to give my life for this temple. This is a temple which God has, I mean, this is all, all of us are the temple of God. I am going to die for this. And because I died for this, because I have given myself to you completely, I have every right to drive out everything which is not of God in your life. Okay, so what does it say? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Okay, and therefore it says the zeal of God consumed him, and the disciples saw it. They remembered the psalm. They said, "Oh, the zeal for the house of God has consumed him." Therefore, what does he do? There's a wine Jesus, and there's a whip Jesus. There's a Jesus who accepts all sinners. Sinners throng to him; they rejoice greatly. But you know what? Sinners didn't stay sinners. When when Jesus went into the house of Zacchaeus, you know what he did? He said, "Lord, half my goods I give to the poor." 
And whatever I've taken from anybody wrongfully, what do I do? I will restore four times. And you know what Jesus says? Behold, salvation has come into his house, for he is also a son of Abraham. There's a wine Jesus, and there's a whip Jesus. We only like the wine, we don't like the whip. Okay. But what does he say? He says, Lord, when your word came, I ate it. That's what Jeremiah says. When your word came, I ate it. And every prophet of God who is mighty in the word of God, what does he do? Whatever God gives. Lamentations, mourning, and woe, or blessing, whatever it is. He says, Lord, I will take it and I will eat it. I will fill my belly. What is belly? Out of your belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. I want to fill it. Let it go into the deepmost parts of my inner man and cause those waters to change. Okay? You see, Wells, why do some, I mean, if you go to some wells in Andhra especially, not in Telangana so much. If you go to some wells in Andhra, if you drink the water from that well, boy, it's different. Jannat only. Why, you know why? Because well has a spring downstairs. And what does the spring do? Keeps on sending forth clean water and cleans, clean, cleanses up all the bitterness in that water. You have fresh water. If you drink the water from the lake, gone, you will die. But if you <laughs> drink the water from the well, there's a spring deep down inside of our, in, inside that well. And what happens? That well has to be cleansed. You know what God says, Jeremiah? You, Jeremiah. You, Ezekiel, and all of us. Okay. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Okay. So respond. Okay. Revelation chapter 10, verse 9. And 10, 9 and 10. Okay, so I went to the angel and that said to me, give me the little book and he said to me, take it and eat it and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. What does it mean? I'm going to cleanse your belly. All the bitterness that is inside, I will cleanse it. I will take away. That's the reason why it says in First Peter chapter 2, put away all malice, put away all evil speaking, put away all those things and receive with meekness the engrafted word and then like newborn babes desire the pure spiritual milk of the word of God so that you may grow in your salvation if you have indeed tasted that the Lord is good. That's the first. So you, Jeremiah. And there's, along with Jeremiah, there's another guy. Who's, who's that guy? If you turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 36 now. And verse 4. You know something? This guy, I love this guy. Okay, this is one of my favorite characters in the Bible because very little is said about him. <laughs> okay, okay, first <laughs> Okay, we are strictly adhering to the lockdown, lockdown rules. <laughs> okay, we have only, I'm only shouting at two people <laughs> in the live stream here, and I don't know how many people I'm shouting at in the live stream. Okay, uh, alright, so we are only two people. Uh, this is not social distancing, it is social kilometering. Okay, <laughs> okay, not even centimetering, it is kilometering only. So we are, uh, yeah, yeah, let's pray that we'll have the opportunity once again to meet as a family very soon anyway let's move on so there's one guy called baruch baruch is my one of my favorite characters in the bible okay let's go to jeremiah chapter 36 and verse 4 jeremiah chapter 36 and verse 4 <clears throat> let's read jeremiah called baruch the son of neriah just stop there for them for a minute <laughs> okay <laughs> and baruch wrote on a scroll no like let me tell you this guy what what we is what we call as a secretary of uh, jeremiah he is what we call as a transcript writer if you want to put it in uh, modern terms okay he transcribes the messages which come from jeremiah's mouth hmm? transcript how many people 
like to do transcripts very few people actually okay they think oh what job this is and how many know that this message has been transcribed they only know the preacher because pastor james or pastor vijay will be the persons who will be in, who will be given the credit to uh, because they have preached the word how many of them know who actually transcribed the word very few very few people actually only within the church also only those people in the transcript team know who are, who the transcripts uh, transcribers are <laughs> only those people in the transcript team know who the transcribers are nobody knows okay so baruch is like that guy baruch is a transcriber for jeremiah's message okay so then jeremiah called baruch the son of neriah so let me let, let me ask you this question if god were to say what is your job in, for the rest of your life be a transcriber will come to that later on so what will be what will your response be but anyway anyways let us not uh, look at uh, the response of your, of your, your attitude but we look at baruch and uh, and the son of neriah jeremiah called baruch the son of neriah baruch wrote on a scroll of a book at the instruction of jeremiah now look at this this is very interesting he is coming under the instruction of jeremiah okay you see i'll tell you something in the word instruction there are two words in and structure there is structure okay so what does instruction means to bring structure into our life to bring order into our life to bring discipline into our life okay and he is coming under the instruction of jeremiah so that is the second response what is the second response those are the people who come under the instruction of the word of god instruct excuse me so how do you what does it mean baruch the son of neriah you know what the word baruch means baruch means blessed okay baruch hasha baruch hashem okay blessed be the god of israel bless the lord oh my soul blessing blessed the word for baruch means blessing he is the son of neraya you know what neraya means comes from two words nir means lamp yah means of course jehovah neriyah means neraya means Jehovah is my lamp or the lamp of Jehovah. Okay? What does it mean? The lamp of Jehovah is my lamp. He's meant it means he is literally what does Baruch means the blessed one who is the lamp of Jehovah. <laughs> what a word, what a word. <laughs> okay? Now what is what is this lamp? You know these verses very well. Psalm 119 verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So that is old covenant. <laughs> that was outside. But what happens in the new covenant? You want to know what happens in the new covenant? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. the spirit of a man is the lamp of the lord yahova 
searching all the inner depths of the heart. That is the lamp. What is the spirit of what is the lamp of Jehovah? The spirit of a man. So when we were not born again, what happened to our spirit? Our spirits were dead. We didn't have light at all. In him was light, and that light was the life of men. In other words, until and unless we received that light, we did not have life. Simple. Therefore, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, we were all what? Dead in our trespasses and transgressions. We were all the sons of disobedience. We were all under this power, the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that works in the sons of disobedience. We were like that. We were dead in our trespasses. There was no light in our lives at all. So what does Baruch represent? Baruch is a guy who received the prophetic word. And what has happened? He has received the light of God. And he says, whom shall I go to? You have the words of life. The Rima, the living word. You have it. Baruch represents that guy. Baruch is a guy who comes under the instruction, the teaching who comes under the teaching of the word of God. So very few people come under teaching. Very few. I told you, no. Out of the 100%, I mean, if 100 people are there in the church of God, on any given morning, how many people actually receive? 25% receive. Of the 25%, who will bring to complete uh, complete fruit until 100% is 30% of the 25. That is 1 by 3 times 1 by 4. That is 1 by 12. 1 by 12, that means 8 people in a 100 member congregation are likely, not for sure, again, (laughs) are likely to respond. That is something which has to stab our hearts. You remember? Uh, Mark's Gospel chapter 4, if you turn it there, to verses 13 and 14. Yeah, And he said to them, do you understand this parable? What is this parable? The parable of the sower. How then will you understand? All the parables. The sower sows the word. So very few people receive the word of God. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16. We know this verse very well. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16. Jeremiah chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. Hmm? Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and ask for the old paths where the good way is. And walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said we will not. Verse 10. Why? Verse 10. Same chapter verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning? That they may hear? Indeed their ear is uncircumcised. And they cannot give heed. They cannot. They cannot. That means they are powerless to give heed. Behold the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. So Jeremiah chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. Jeremiah chapter 3. For thus says the Lord, break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. How do you do it? Verse 4. Circumcise you for yourself. Verse 4. Next verse. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart, you men of Judah, inhabitants of of Jerusalem. And here, prepare and say, Lord, I will receive it. Even though it is going to cut me, let me receive it. The word of God has to cut you, it has to cut me both ways. 
both ways it, it has to happen. So what is it? What is it? What ha- what happens? What is it? What does Baruch son of Nehemiah mean? The spirit, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. It searches the deepmost parts of his belly. Right? Go back to twenty twenty seven. Inward parts of his belly. I like that verse. Superb. If you have it in the KJV, it's fantastic. In the KJV, it says the depths of the heart. Look at what it says in verse twenty twenty seven in the KJV. It's very interesting. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. The spirit of a man is the candle. It says of the Lord. You know, remember candle? What does candle do? It searches, goes deep down. If you remember those all those old movies when you see, you know, these guys are going down into the dungeons. So what do they do? They take the the, the torch and they keep on going and searching, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The word for belly is very interesting. Actually, KJV, NKJV says heart. The original is kidneys. Gut. Ante. The intentions and the thoughts, that is where it goes and searches. So what is, who is Baruch, the son of Nidayah? The one who has allowed the spirit of God, the word of God through the spirit of God to go into the deepmost parts of his belly and to cleanse the very source from which everything is coming out. Out of your belly shall flow, rivers of living water. We have this dash in earthen vessels. What is that? Treasure. You know what for Treasure. Thesaurus. Words. That is the word treasure. We have this thesaurus in earthen vessels. Okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 verse 52. Matthew chapter 13 verse 52. Mm-hmm. 1352. <clears throat> then he said to them, Therefore every scribe Instructed, you see, Baruch was a scribe. Is a instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things which are old and things which are no. So, what does the lamp of God do? It goes and searches deep down inside of your heart and starts cleansing your thoughts and the intents of your heart. That is the reason why it says the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, divides the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, and everything is laid naked and bare to the whom, to the one whom, to whom we have to give an account. Okay. So, he searches deep down inside. Okay. 623 Proverbs. 623. The commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are, are the way of it. I told you, you know, instruction means in structure. The one who has been instruction instructed is instructor. Sorry, instruct is in structure. Yeah. He is in structure. The one who is instructed is in structure. The one who is an instructor is also in structure. He has to be. Only instructors can instruct. <laughs> That is the reason why who is your instructor? They say, you know, one of the one of the uh, names, from one of the synonyms we use for teachers, instructors. Who's your instructor? Okay, the one who brings structure into your life. In other words, reproofs of instruction are what are the way of life. That means every day you'll be you'll be brought back into structure. It has to happen. 
And who is this Baruch? Is a one was one guy who's been brought back into structure every day of his life. Commandment is a lamp. The law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are a way of life. What is your way of life? Movies are a way of life for several people. Parties are a way of life for some people. Talk time is a way of life for some people. Food is a way of life for some people. Okay. So this is, the way of life is different for different people. But what is your way of life? Reproofs of instruction are a way of life. Why? Let's read the next verse. So look at this. It's very powerful. Verse 24. To keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Because there are so many doctrines. What do, what do they do? They seduce you. They, they flatter you. They say how good thou art. Oh Vijay, how great thou art. They don't say how great God art. God art. No? I, I know this song. No? We sing that song. No, uh, I, It's a, the irony of that song actually. All hail the power of Jesus name. Let angels prostrate fall. Who is commanding angels to prostrate fall? We let angels prostrate fall. What are you doing? <laughs> we will stand very tall. <laughs> we will not prostrate fall. <laughs> okay. Let angels prostrate fall. But what about you? Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball. Okay. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him lord of all. So important. So what do they do? To, to flatter, what is the pur- purpose of this evil woman, or the, or the strange woman, other translations will use the word strange woman, to, f- to keep you from the strange woman. The word for strange woman means that woman whom, whom you cannot know. Strange means you, the person whom you cannot know, the, who's always movable. He's like a chameleon who's keep on, keeps on changing colors. Depending upon the terrain. You know, I was listening, recently I was looking, I was, I was looking at the documentary on uh, National Geographic on, uh, on vipers, uh, sorry, vipers, not vipers, uh, rattlesnakes in the US, rattlesnakes, no? You know what rattlesnakes do, no? They rattle their tail. Grrr, they'll give you the tra- uh, rattling. But the skin of the rattlesnake, you should see, depending upon the terrain, they change their skin. So you can't see. Some of the, some are spotted, some have black tails, some have orange tails, depending upon the kind of terrain that they are in, they change their color. They are, that is, that is what a snake is. It changes the color according to the kind of terrain that you are moving on. It never is constant. You never can, you can never know her. It's a strange woman. From the flattering tongue of a seductress, do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. You see that? Beauty and eyes. Next verse. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. And an adulteress will prey upon this precious life. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? Answer, no. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Answer, no. So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be. Therefore, verse 23, for the commandment is lamp, the law is light. And reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from all these seductive influences of this world. 
That is Baruch. Who is Baruch? The one who is allowed to come. He was the person who has come under the instruction of the word of God. And he has allowed the spirit of God to search his deepmost parts. And he's not he's not perfect. But he's judging severely every every thought, every intention. And he's saying, this is wrong in your life. And he says, you know what, Lord? I do not want to be like this. I do not want to be like this. And he he's, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's asking God to cleanse him in his belly. That is what depth means, no? It is going to the deep most parts. 2027 again, Proverbs 2027. Hmm? 2027, yeah? You can put it in KJV, Sam. It will be fantastic. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. Searching not just some of the inward parts of the belly, all the inward parts of the belly. And therefore, Baruch, the son of Niraya, what has he done? He has taken, allowed the light of the word of God to search him and he is asking God daily to cleanse every motive and the thoughts of his heart. Why is this important? Why is this important? If you turn with me to Mark, Mark's gospel, please, and chapter 4, Mark's gospel, chapter 4, if you will. Hmm? Sorry, Matthew chapter 15. You can you can go there to Matthew chapter 15. You can see Matthew chapter 15 is right. Also, it's there in Mark's gospel also, but let me show you this verse. In Matthew chapter 15. Okay. Let's see. Hmm? Verse 15. 15, 15. Yeah. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? <laughs> still without understanding. I mean, you see, Jesus, you know, doesn't say, are you, that was a good question. When he expects the students to learn, by this time they should have learned. Otherwise, mandalistar they would. Mandalinchuta means he will discipline, and he will say, "Are how many times should I teach you, Baba? Still, you are not able to understand." Look at the next verse, verse seventeen. Do not, do you not yet understand that whatever enters into the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from where? Come from the heart. And they defile a man. So what does the lamp of God do? The spirit of a man is the lamp of God. It searches all the inward parts of your belly. Why? Because out of your belly should should flow what? Rivers. Not just river. Rivers of living water. And that has to be cleansed every day. The cross has to be applied. All the bitterness has to be removed. Every day of our lives. And what is who's Baruch? He is one guy who has responded in such a way. He's saying, Lord, you are the lamp of my spirit. Search me. Lord, search me and know me. See if there is any unrighteousness, unrighteousness in me. Who can understand his errors? Right? Who can understand? Answer? Nobody. Nobody can understand his errors. We all have autocorrect. It's, I mean, it's amazing. It's a revelation, actually. When you write, read your own typing, you will overlook the errors. Somebody else has to come and say, Vijay, it's not there. Oh, I thought it was there. No, it is not there. That is the reason why you have to have somebody outside of you who will correct you, instruct you. Understand? Okay. John chapter 3, verse 19. John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, 19 to 21. John chapter 3 verses 19 to 21. Then Peter answered and said, John, 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 chapter 3 bro. John chapter 3 verses 19 to 21. Don't worry, Sammy. Sammy is the only body, only person today. So from next time onwards, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make my PPT so that he will be free. 
Okay, and this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world. And what did men do? They love darkness. They don't want things to be exposed. See, many people, they enjoy a word. That is the reason why they came to hear the word of God and to be healed from their sicknesses and from the infirmities. Why do people not get healed from the infirmities? Because they just only hear, but they don't allow the word of God to do a deep search and to see all the inward parts of their belly. Yeah, That is what we call as endoscopy. How many people like endoscopy? They hate endoscopy. Okay, they want it to be done as quickly as possible. <laughs> check you have to see and check you have to get out. It's very interesting what what they do in endoscopy. You know what they do? They they have a light at the edge at the tip of that uh, tube. No, okay. There's there's a light and it goes deep down inside and searches where all in the stomach the thing has got spoiled. So it searches, it's like a lamp. That's, that's God doesn't, tries to do an endoscope every day. And what do we try to do? If whenever the word endoscope is done, we try to, uh, <laughs> we try to vomit the word of God instead of allowing the word of God to search the deepest parts of our heart. You see, endoscopy, spiritual endoscopy is very important. Okay. They love darkness. They love darkness rather than rather than light, rather than light because I know two times in my family endoscopy was done. One it was done on my wife and done on my second daughter also. They they wanted to get that coin out. They had to send the camera, search the coin and get it out. There are so many coins there deep down inside of our heart. <laughs> so God has to take everything out from our from our heart. So it's not money, okay? Everything else, He has to have treasure, His treasure, His words, they're embedded into the deepmost parts of our heart. For everyone, okay? They love darkness. They love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They know it. See. The word of God does not come to condemn us. It brings to, it, it, it only brings conviction because he says when the Holy Spirit comes, what does he do? He brings conviction. He convicts the world in us of sin. Why? Because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. You see? So for everyone practicing evil, what does he do? He hates light. Bah. That means he will not allow. He loves to hear, but he never allows the word of God to search. He never says, Lord, search me and know me. Search my hidden thoughts. See if there is any unrighteousness in me and lead me into the way of everlasting life. God has to do a spiritual endoscopy in every one of our lives. Every day, regularly. Most so in these last days, because one, just imagine, no, if we are judged, if we have judged ourselves before we um, before we go to the judgment seat of God, no more judging left. Okay, that is a beauty. In other words, examination passed in flying colors. Only we are looking for the result. Which rank we got? That's all. In that one hundred forty-four thousand, <laughs> if there is a competition, I don't know <laughs> which rank we got. <laughs> For everyone practicing evil, what does he do? He hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. He doesn't like to be exposed. In other words, he likes to have uh, what we call uh, image image protection program. Image protection program. (laughs) He wants to protect his image at any cost, under any circumstances. His deeds should not be exposed. And verse 21, hmm? 
But he who does the truth, not listens, he who does the truth, comes to the Lord. What does he do? He comes to the light and he says, okay, Lord, I'm coming to it. I'm not going to run away from it. I'm going to come towards it. I'm going to face up to my to my struggles. I'm going to face up to the reality of my heart. I'm going to face up to the reality of my hypocrisy. I'm going to face up to the reality of the of my hidden secret life, which I cannot hide from which I can which I can hide from everyone except you. I want to face face up to that, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done, whether they have been done in in God or not. See, so we have to bring it. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 onwards. For you were once what? Darkness. You were once, you were not walking in darkness, you were once darkness. That is your name. Who are you? Dark. You are darkness, you are not light. But now you are light, where? Ah, in the Lord, not by yourself. You have light as long as you are in the Lord, therefore walk as children of light. Okay, for the fruit of the spirit, that is the fruit of light. What a fruit of the spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. Meaning what? Your righteousness is increasing because because you are bringing more of your hidden life into the into the uh, into the into the into the into the uh, into the light of the word of God. And you are saying, Lord, judge it. God is cleansing you from all your unrighteousness. And what is he giving you in return? His own righteousness. Okay. And his, you're growing in truth. You're increasing in your light. The fruit of light. So, what does he say? In verse 10. <clears throat> finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. What is, in other words, God will say, this is not acceptable. This is acceptable. This is not acceptable because you have to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, uh, holy and acceptable. Lot of things are holy but not acceptable. <laughs> Lot are accept- maybe. I mean, in other words, all things holy are not necessarily acceptable. If it is acceptable, definitely it is holy. But just because you have been set apart, are you set apart unto God? That is important. Holiness for holiness sake is not just, see a lot of people say I don't want to do drugs. Why? It will destroy my my life, it will destroy my brains, I will not be able to prosper in this world. They are holy unto themselves, exactly. That's the point. Okay. They will not uh, spend money uh, indiscriminately. Why? Because they want to save for a rainy day. They are saying this money is holy unto whom? <laughs> unto themselves. <laughs> see? Understand? Okay? Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship. Not little fellowship. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. So think think about this, no? The works of darkness are all what? Unfruitful. But what should you do? You have to rather expose them. In other words, reprove. Other translations will use the word reprove them, correct them, bring it to light, expose them, bring it to light and say, this is what it is. Okay. Blessed is the man who brings, blessed is, Baruch means what? Blessed. Why? Because he's allowing the light of the word of God to search the deepmost parts of his belly. It says all the inward parts of his belly. 
complete endoscopy is happening. Every part of the stomach is being examined. Lock, stock and barrel if you will. But rather expose them in verse 12. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. You see, one of the things that um, Jeremiah says, no? He says, when I corrected them, the children of Israel did not blush. See, when 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 people are under conviction, you know what they do? They are ashamed of what they have done. Nowadays what they do, they are not only ashamed, not only not ashamed, they boldly proclaim the rebellion. And they say, we are not hypocrites like you. This is what we are. One of the dangers of 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 the modern day uh, lifestyles is that there is an open rebellion against God. There are scoffers everywhere. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Verse thirteen. But all things that are man exposed are made manifest. Why? By what? By the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. In other words, manifest means expose, show forth. Okay, and then go on. Verse 14. Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. That means those people who are in darkness, what are they doing? They're asleep. What, is, what, is, what do you mean by sleep? That means you are absolutely unaware as to what is going on around you. Even though there is an earthquake, you will not know. That is a state, no? A lot of, when do earthquakes happen generally? Very rarely I have seen in my life, whenever I have experienced an earthquake, very rarely have I seen earthquakes coming in the morning. They generally come when everybody is sleeping, especially three in the morning they will come. I, that is the time when they are in the deepmost sleeps, sleep. Very, very, I mean, most often. That is the general situation. Everyone you awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as a wise, redeeming the time. Okay? So walk as light. So how do we do it? We know this very well. 1 John chapter 5. We have to, one, chapter, chapter 1, one not chapter 5, 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 to 7. So many times we read it, but this is so important. This response is important every day. Because repetition is the way we understand things. I've, I've seen it with my daughter. The more that I repeat one concept, the more she understands it. And the less I repeat a concept, the faster she forgets it. Okay. Empirical data I have. Okay. This is the message <laughs> which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, that means we do not expose what are the hidden motives of our heart. What are we doing? We lie and do not practice the truth. He who does the truth, he says, remember, he who does the truth, what does he do? What does he, do? he comes to the light so that his deeds may be exposed. This is a message. And verse 7, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from what? All our sin. So understand? So this is Baruch. So there is Jeremiah who eats the word of God and he asks the, asks the word of God to cleanse him and fill him in the deepmost parts of the inner man. And there is Baruch. You know what he does? He says, Lord, cleanse me. Search me. Let the word of God go deep down inside of my heart and and cleanse me and search me. You know, one of the things that you need to understand, the moment you start doing this, you will not become very popular. You will not be popular. 
you are a person who is interested in allowing the word of God go into the deepmost parts of your inner man. Not very many people like this message. And you ought to expect that in your own life. If you try to, if you're saying, Lord, search me, know me, and you're constantly doing that, not many people will like you. It's not that you are, you are become, you become unlikable. Even though you have the best interests of others, you will always be misunderstood. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's definitely possible. So, there's a warning for, for Baruch's. You know what is a warning for Baruch's? Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 45. Okay. When I was, I just entered into ministry, no? Just uh, quit my job. If, uh, it came to a full-time ministry, pastor gave me a book by Oswald Sanders. Oswald Sanders. The title of the book was not Oswald Chambers, Oswald Sanders. There's another, there's another Oswald. Okay. There are two Oswalds. Very blessed Oswalds. Actually, there was a three. Oswald Smith also is there. Okay. Okay. I know only two. So Oswald Sanders and Oswald Chambers. Oswald Sanders, he wrote a book called Spiritual Leadership. The first verse in that book called Spiritual Leadership was from Jeremiah chapter 45. That is the reason that the book of Jeremiah is very, very endearing to me because it has shaped me in so many ways, my spiritual life. Look at what it says in Jeremiah chapter 45. Let's, let's read from verses 1 onwards. The word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah. Okay? Neriah told you, no? Okay? Yahweh is my lamp. Okay? God is my lamp. Okay? Baruch means the blessed one. When he has, when he had written these words in a book at the instruction of Jeremiah. So you read, the context is given. He is writing all these books in the instruction of Jeremiah and Jeremiah is telling specifically one thing to Baruch in the fourth year. The same year. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah saying. So he is giving you the entire chronology. The chronology, the context, everything is given. Exactly when Baruch was called into the ministry, what's your purpose Baba? Don't speak your own uh, your own uh, revelations. Don't say, I am also having the spirit of God. I will also get revelations. No, no, no. That's not your work. Your ministry is very simple. I get the revelation. You speak it out. Simple. No, 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 no. I will also get revelation. Antodhaniku. Okay. Okay, that's what uh, Paul tells Timothy. The things that you have heard from me, what should you do? Entrust it into faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That is your purpose. In the process, God might reveal new things to you, but your 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 office is very clearly defined. You are a transcriber. Okay. So look at what what happens. Year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, Baruch. You said, you said, so after he receives all the word, what will happen to him? This is his response. Woe is me. (laughs) (laughs) See, his response is not, what, what, what do people call me? Baruch. That means, blessed. But what is he saying? (laughs) Baba, woe is me. For the Lord had has added grief to my sorrow. That is how ministry is. You know, we say in English, no? Out of the frying pan and into the furnace. <laughs> Out of the frying pan and into the furnace. That is ministry. If any other thing is there, Baba, that is not ministry, according to me. That is not authentic. You said, woe is me now, for the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing and I find no rest. So it is not easy. See, to come under the instruction of the prophetic teaching is not easy, my dear brothers. 
because he will search every intention of your heart as to why you came into the ministry and you know what even as baruch is writing god is telling to telling tell, telling all these things to him you know why i you know baruch why you are saying woe is me now for the lord has added grief to my sorrow why are you saying all this you know why you know why why are you saying all these words why are these words coming out of him as simply verse for thus says the lord to him thus says the lord behold what i have built i will break down what i have planted i will pluck up that is this whole land this whole land is going to be judged completely next verse verse 5 ah and do you think ah do you see great things for yourselves do not seek them this was the word the first word when i came into the ministry you know for, when i came to the full time ministry i read this there is the first chapter of oswald sanders spiritual leadership do you see great things for yourselves do not seek them why do you have all these frustrations inside of your belly is because you are seeking what great things i'll tell you something the people in the ministry there are pent up frustrations you know why they saw great things for themselves jeremiah ke dikhe do jeremiah for for jeremiah look at if you look at his resume how many people responded to his message to eben melek baruch and that this will also <laughs> he doesn't want to respond <laughs> and got jeremiah tells baruch baruch do not think do not seek for yourselves great things do not seek them for behold i will bring adversity on all flesh let me tell you something you are think you are seeking for great things in this world you know what people 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 judge you after the number number of subscribers number of views number of people who have been who have been blessed by your ministry think about it if two or three people are blessed by your ministry that's if that is your work that's it enough God's standards of judging your work and the world's standards of judging judging your work are totally antithetical to each other. It is a way of the flesh and there is a way of the spirit. And he says, if you seek see great things of for yourself, what are you seeking? You're you're seeking the way of flesh. You're seeking the way of flesh. Okay. This is a direct message to Baruch. Okay. And therefore, you know what Paul tells Timothy. Second Peter, Second Timothy, chapter three, verse twelve. Second Timothy, chapter three, verse twelve. Yes, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus, ah, may no, will suffer persecution. Persecution is a done deal. It's a what deal? Done deal. in other words the day you seek great things for yourself and you reach and what is baruch's job now baruch's job is to take the word of jeremiah and to preach it to others and if your life is going to be your measured or your success is going to be measured in the way or the number of people who respond positively to your message you think you will be happy no way you know in second peter you don't have to turn there first peter chapter 2 or 3 if i'm right it says those who desire the office office of an overseer or a bishop seeks what a great office why 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 does he seek a great office those days if you become a bishop of a church the whole world is against you it's not like today bishop overseer board member you have honor even in the church 
those days, if you become a board member in the church, like the apostles, you are in the crosshairs of the enemy. You are, they will come after you only. So in under those circumstances, and if you are seeking the office of a bishop, that means you have, you have overcome your fears. That's what we heard, no? Those who are fearful, let them leave. Only those people who have overcome their fears, their fear of loss, FOMO. What is it? Fear of missing out. That is the biggest FOMO we have in this, in these last days. FOMO. It's called a fear of missing out. That is a that is a new word in Google, by the way, in, in your dictionary, by the way. They've added it into the dictionary. FOMO. Fear of missing out. Google laga. Google is also in the dictionary. FOMO is also in the dictionary now. See, you see? Therefore, don't seek. Go back to Jeremiah chapter 45, verse 4, 4 and 5, 5 actually. Seekest thou great things for yourself? Do not seek them. For behold, I will bring adversity on all flesh, says the Lord. But, 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 I will give your life to you as a price in all places wherever you go. What a superb promise. Your your life to you as a price. You know what that means? You will save your life. You know why? Because you are giving your life to me. All those who seek to save your, their lives will lose it. But all those who seek to lose their life for my sake, you will find it. You will find it as a price for your soul. Okay. So we have Jeremiah who responded. And Baruch who responded. How is your response today? If you were to ask yourself this question today, <laughs> how do you respond to God's word? Are you like Jeremiah? Are, are you like Baruch? Do you have pent up frustrations? A lot of people are frustrated in the ministry because they are not recognized. Because people don't speak good things about them. Because of their number, number of subscribers do not, do not increase. I, I like what Pastor James says, no, don't subscribe to our channel. I like that. <laughs> and uh, I had, I, I saw one of the comments which came on the live chat, no? Uh, I've seen the first channel which says, please don't subscribe. <laughs> we only need subscribers because thousand is enough for us because that is, that also because we can, we can stream from anywhere. That, that is the reason why we want minimum thousand subscribers so that we can, we can stream for anyone. Not because we want to increase our subscriptions. The lesser we are known, the better for us. There is what we call as a blessing of obscurity. Bah. Okay. Blessed are those who are obscure from the things of the world. Okay. For 30 years, it says John the Baptist was hidden in the wilderness. And the word of God circumvented all the big shots. And where did it reach? It reached John in the wilderness, according to Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. So don't seek big things for yourself. Okay. So, because just because you've been given the interest in the stewardship of God's revelation. Okay. What are we? We are? We are? Nothing. And God is? Everything. That's what, that's what Paul says, wrote. I planned Apollo's waters, waters, as a wise master, as a wise master builder, according to the grace of God that has been given me, I laid the foundation and somebody else builds upon it. I laid the foundation. Somebody else builds upon it. The fellow who plants, who, who plants is nothing. The fellow who waters is nothing, but God who gives the increase is everything. We are all nothing. Don't seek. Create things for yourself. Okay. Don't seek to be known. The lust to be known. It's there in all of us. How many likes? How many dislikes? <laughs> oh, they responded to my message positively. Yes, I'm not saying that we should not take feedback. That's a different thing altogether. 
feedback on several things. No? There are several things which you have to take feedback on. I'm talking about the content which God has given. We know it. It's been burden of our heart and God has given. We don't have to apologize for that. Okay. Let's move on to Jeremiah chapter 36 now. Verse 5. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am confined. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. So he's telling Baruch, Baruch, I am confined. Second hmm. Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. One, one Timothy chapter 2 verses 8 to 10. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 9. Chapter 2 only, right? Ah, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. It's verse 9 onwards, I mean. Verse 8 onwards, actually, we can, we can, we can read. Verse 8 onwards, sorry. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer. What am I, was, what am I suffering as trouble for? As an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of the Lord is not chained. If you can put it in, uh, in NIV, if I'm right. NIV is, is it in NIV or NKJV? NIV, can you put it in NIV? Okay. For the, for, for which I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Okay. God's word is not chained. So they've changed Jeremiah, but God's word will never be chained. And, and that's, exa- that's exactly the reason why Paul tells Timothy, uh, the Philippian church, he says, the things that have happened to me happened for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, entire the praetorium and even Caesar's household has heard the gospel. And there's a church in Caesar's household also. It's fantastic. You've seen that. So, Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 6 now. So, God's word cannot be chained. Okay, The word of the Lord cannot be chained. You cannot confine the prophetic word of God. It will go out. Okay. But one thing is interesting, right? Uh, Baruch said, nobody will know me. But everybody knows him actually. Okay, He's been written in the eternal word of God. How many of you want your name to be written in the word of God? Think about it. You know, God tells about that woman, no? Uh, who comes and washes his feet. Everywhere the gospel is preached, her story will be preached as a remembrance. Yeah, anyway. Let's move on. So you go to the house of the Lord on a day of fasting and read to the people from the scroll the words from the scroll the words of the Lord that you wrote as I dictated. Um, this is uh, at my instruction. This is an IV at my instruction. If I'm right, yeah. Move on. No, no, no problem. Read them all. Read uh, read them to all the people of Judah, um, and you shall uh, also read them uh, in the hearing of all the Judah who come from their cities and go on. It may be. That they will present their supplication before the Lord and everyone will turn from their evil way. For great is the anger uh, and the fury of the Lord that the Lord has pronounced against Israel, this people. So what happens? Look at verse 8 now. And Baruch the son of Nerah did, did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading from the book of the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. When Look at the next verse. Now it came to pass in the... Ah! No... When was when did the word of the Lord come to him? In the fourth year. Now, when did he actually start preaching? In the fifth year. That means for one year continuously he's sitting at a Jeremiah and getting instructions. Okay. Now it came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month that they proclaimed a fast. 
So he told them, he told uh, Baruch, when they go on the day of fast, you have to go and preach the word of God to them, right? So they proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem and to all the people who came from the cities of, Je- of Judah and Jerusalem. Let's go on. Then Baruch read from the book of the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, the scribe, in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house, in the hearing of all the people. So he read. Very simple. He's, he's reading the word of God in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the presence of all the people on the day of fasting. Then go on. When Micaiah, the son of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the, ah, very important, from the book. Go on. Then he went down to the king's house into the scribe's chamber and there all the princes were sitting. Elishama the scribe, Lelai the son of Shemaiah, Elnathan the son of Akbor, Gamaliah the son of Shaphan, Zedekiah the son of Hananiah and all the princes. Everybody was there. Who heard the word of God? Shaphan, the son of Shaphan. Micaiah, the son of Shaphan. Who is Shaphan? You want to know? Second Kings. Chapter 22. And verse... 9 and 10. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king bringing the word of, bringing the king the word saying, your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work who oversee the house of the Lord. And then Shaphan the scribe showed the king saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book and Shaphan read it before the king. And what did the king do? And verse 11, this is Josiah. Ah, and it happened when the king heard the books, the words of the book of the law, that he tore his clothes. Now, who is Micaiah? The son of? The son of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan. He's a grandson of Shaphan. So he is coming from a very interesting spiritual lineage. Oh, he knows history. I remember when the word, word of the Lord came during the times of Josiah, what happened when I took it to the king? They tore the clothes. And I'm hoping when I take the words to the kings, they will also tear the clothes. That's, that is what he's hoping. Okay. So what happens? Let's go back now. Verse 14 onwards. 20, 36, verse 14 onwards. <clears throat> Jeremiah 36, verse 14 onwards. Yeah, we'll just finish this chapter. A few, few more verses and then we can finish. Therefore, all the princes sent Jehudi, the son of Nathaniah, the son of Shalamiah, the son of Kushi, to Baruch, saying, Take in your hand the scroll from which you have read in the hearing of the people and come. So Baruch, the son of Neriah, took the scroll in his hand and came to them. And they said to him, sit down now and read it in our hearing. So Baruch read it in their hearing. Okay. So Baruch didn't say, you are not Pentecostal, so I will not read. He went and read it. That's it. Okay. Now it happened when they had heard all the words that they looked in fear from one another and said to Baruch, we will surely tell the king of all these words. So look at this. What do sh- That's the reason why it says, I am the Lord who is high and lofty one. I dwell in the high and lofty place and also with the one who has got a contract spirit and he who trembles at my word. Okay? They start fearing. Those who fear God will not have any other person to fear. So one of the things that we have to practice and ask God is for the spirit of the fear of God. Because God's gift is a spirit. And therefore, one of the manifestations of the spirit of, uh, spirit of God in our life is that spirit of the fear of the Lord. Right? We have to increase in that. And we have to ask God, Lord, give me more of your spirit. So that I will increase more in the spirit, of, in, in, the, in, the, in the fear of the Lord. So, there's a fear of God which has come. And when does it come? When you have the preaching of the word of God. 
And when, when does the spirit, fear of God does not come? When there is no preaching of the word of God. You see? So how important it is for us to understand and how blessed we are actually. Every day we are being fed. Why? So that we will increase in our fear of the Lord. And the fear of this world and the fear of losing out, the fear of missing out, everything will reduce. And the fear of God will increase. Ultimately. That is important. See, everybody has an intuition. What is his intuition? Like pastor said, no, expectancy. When they die, they will stand before someday, somewhere deep down inside of their heart, there is an intuition that I have to give an account. That is the reason why it says, even though they do not believe in God, the law of the Lord is written in their hearts, their conscience bearing them witness. Their conflicting thoughts either excuse them or accuse them. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> even though you don't believe in God, it is happening. Their conflicting thoughts are either excusing them or accusing them on that day when God, according to my gospel, will judge the secrets of men by that man, Jesus Christ. It's remarkable words. The secrets of men will be judged. So everybody has this intuition. Okay, So we need to increase, ask God for the increase of the fear of the Lord in our lives. Now it happened when they heard. So what happens? Next verse, verse, verse 17. And they asked Baruch saying, tell us now, how did you write all these words at his instruction? So Baruch answered, he proclaimed with his mouth all these words to me and I wrote them with, wrote them with ink in the book. That's what I wrote. What did I write, write with? I wrote with ink in the book. It's interesting, right? Paul tells the Corinthian church, he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 onwards. New covenant is so different. Do we begin Again, to commend ourselves, or do we heed, do we need as some others the epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Who's the epistle? You are epistle. How are they written? Verse 3. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ towards you. So Baruch is saying, he dictated, I wrote, I have nothing to do with it. But in the new covenant, we are different. What is God doing? God is instructing and through the instruction, he is making us into a letter. That's what it says. You are God's what? Workmanship. You know what the word workmanship means? You are a God, you are a poem of God. Workmanship means poema, from which we get the word poem. Okay. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works so that you may walk in them which God has prepared even before the foundations of the world were laid. So, beforehand he prepared and you just walk in them. Therefore, Baruch is another person. Now, you, when we when you think about Baruch, he's a guy who is now just not an epistle. He's just not reading an epistle. He has become the epistle in one in, in one sense. Let's move on. Let's go back to uh, Jeremiah chapter 36. Yeah. So, Baruch answered. He proclaimed and I wrote. Next verse, verse 19. Then the princess said to Baruch, go and hide you and Jeremiah and let no one know where you are. And they went to the king into the court and they stored the scroll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe and told all the words in the hearing of the... So what what does the king do? Next verse. Now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month with a fire burning on the hearth before him. And all these words were 
read in the presence of the king. Verse 29. Next verse 23. And happened when Jehudi had read three or four columns. That the king, what did he do? He cut it with the scribe's knife and cast it into the fire that was in the hearth. In the hearth. Until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. This is the next response. Okay. One guy, he ate the word of God. Second, he allowed the word of God to search him. Third, what did he do? He took the word of God and started cutting it. I don't like this part. You know, you know Thomas Jefferson, right? There's a Bible called the Jefferson's Bible. Jefferson one of the, is one of the founding fathers of uh, of America, and I think he's one of the presidents. If I'm not, if I'm right, Thomas Jefferson. He didn't like many parts of the Bible, and he refused to say that the 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 Bible was inspired. Even he said, even the four gospel writers are not inspired. He called them heretics. He called them schism makers. You know, schismizers. You know what schism means? People who cause division. So he wrote, he actually edited his own Bible and he wrote his own Bible called the Jefferson Bible. What did he do? He cut. Now think about it. In the foundations of America, there was one president. What did he do? Who cut? Now what are they doing? They're burning. Second, the first stage. What do you do? You cut. Second stage. What do you do? What do you do? You burn. You will never cut. You will never burn that which you have not cut. First is, you slowly say, this part I will not, doesn't apply to me. This part, uh, too tough, God doesn't say that. This part, I don't think so. This part, I don't think so. So what happens? Little by little, little by little, little by, oh, Genesis, I don't know. It's a, Maybe it's an allegory. Okay. I, I remember now so very well, when I was a kid, I was in, I was in ninth grade, we've, we've been, we've, uh, we, were, we were taught in biology, the theory of evolution. Okay, it was taught by taught to us by a Catholic teacher. Okay, Catholic teacher was teaching us the theory of evolution, and it was so convincing. Ninth class, ninth class, class nine. Okay, I was I was so convinced. And now, now I, when I go back and started reading Genesis chapter one, I said, uh, "How is it possible?" For almost till I finished M Tech, I'm talking about till I finished M Tech. At questions about evolution in Genesis chapter 1. Masters. Okay. It's, it's unbelievable. How would how I just... It was sound, sounding, looking very, very convincing. And when I used to go and talk to my... Uh, talk to my st- friends in my university, right? They used to say, Hey, you believe in Noah's flood? Ah, come on. Uh, you believe in uh, you believe in evolution or in the creation? What is that? Come on, that's all stories. You only have to take the morals from the Bible. That's exactly what it what what Jefferson did. No, the morals and the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. That's the title of his book. Ultimately, what did you reduce Jesus to? Not a savior, but a teacher. They have the Jefferson Bible. It's the edited. You can actually buy for buy it for a fortune on 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 Amazon. Useless Bible. Thomas Jefferson Bible. They've cut. And what did he do? He started cutting, 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 div- taking this portion off, adding this portion. So a lot of people, what do they do? They start cutting. So even when they're receiving the word of God, and when the, the preaching of the word of God is happening, what do they do? 
cut. Second, first Corinthians chapter 11 verse 19, if I'm right. Second, first Corinthians chapter 11 verse 19. Ah, yes, 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 yes. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Factions means heresies. The word is for the faction is heresies. The, the, the word of God which starts dividing. So a lot of people say, this is the word of God. I'm going to cling to it. I'm not going to subtract from it. I'm not going to add to it. I'm going to say, this is the word of God, period. Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22. This is the word of God. And my life has to come under the authority of the word of God, not the other way around. So what do we do? Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 1 onwards. 1 and 2. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God is given, Lord, Lord the God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not, what? Add to the word which I command you, nor take from it. One thing you need, you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to add or subtract. What am I supposed to do? Divide. Rightly divide the word of truth. Second, second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Look, look at this. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Study to show yourself, right? Yeah. To show yourself approved unto God. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Be diligent to present yourselves approved unto God, a workman which need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Don't add from it, don't subtract from it. And how did Apostle Paul know that the gospel that he preached was absolutely authentic? Do you want to know? Turn with me to Galatians please. Galatians chapter 2. Let's read from verse 1 to 6, okay? Then after after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me and I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who are of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. He was saying, you know what? The gospel which I received from by revelation, I only tested it among those people who are reputation, meaning who are those people who know the word of God, who understand the things of God, who 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 themselves had a revelation <coughs> of the word of God. So he is subjecting his gospel to what we call as peer review. Let's go on. yet not even Titus who was with me, being a Greek, was not compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us to bondage. They brought brought damnable heresies, it says in uh, Jude. Yet not even Titus, yeah, but to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might might continue with you. So how does he know? How do you know that the gospel of Paul was authentic? Look at what it says in verse 6. This is something which is powerful. But, but from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal, no, personal, shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something, ah, added nothing to me. It was so perfect. He said, Apostle, Apostle Paul, your gospel is so perfect. I can't add anything to you. I can't subtract anything from you. It is complete. Complete. They added nothing. 
It was so perfect. He said, this is the word of God. He never took from the word of God. He never added to the word of God. He never even changed the order. Understand? Okay. And what does the king do? Starts cutting. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 29 onwards. 29 onwards. Okay. When the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess and you dip- displace them and dwell in their land, hmm? Take heed to yourselves that you are not ensnared to follow them after that, after they are destroyed from before you and that you do not inquire after their gods saying, how did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. Hmm? What, what should you do? You shall not worship the Lord your God in, in that way for every abomination to the Lord which he hates. They have done to their gods for they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire of their gods. Verse 32, whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it not take anything from it. You see? No adding. No. What is the danger? Revelation 22 verse 17 to 19. This is Revelation. Okay? Final. Look at what it says. The spirit and the bride say, come and let him who thirsts come. Who desires, let him take the water of life freely, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, what will God do? God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. You want the plagues to come onto your life? You add. Ah, next. You want to distract? If you want to cut off? If anyone takes away from the words of this book, words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. From the holy city. And from the things which are written in this book. Danger, danger, danger. So there are so many things which you don't like. What do we do? Scissor. Or we add. Or we deliberately mute. Okay. We we say a lot of things and we mute certain things out. Okay. You see that? God says, that is the reason why Paul says, I have spoken to you the whole counsel of God and no one's blood is on my hands. What did I do? From night and day with tears, from house to house and from, and from Sabbath to Sabbath, I have done this. House to house, daily I have preached to you. And I lived among you and I preached to you the whole counsel of God. I did not take anything from it. I did not add anything to it. And you know how 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 I know my gospel is authentic? I took my gospel and I subjected it to the uh, to prayer review and I asked my my fellow apostles to say what it is if my if my gospel is right. Did they add anything to it? Nothing. They added nothing. They said, you know what, apostle, this is the gospel which we are also preaching and you are also supposed to preach. And Peter will say, boss, the, some things he says, I myself will not don't understand. And what do they do? Some people twist his gospel, just as they twist what? Other scriptures. So what is he calling Apostles Paul's teaching? Scripture. You want to know? Second Peter chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. And all his epistles, okay, okay this is talking about uh, verse 15 actually, verse 15 onwards. And consider that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. 
So he is writing to the church where Apostle Paul has also written. And next verse was verse, verse, verse 16, bro. Also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destructions as they do also the rest of the scripture. So what is he calling in the epistles of Paul? Scripture. He's equating the epistles of Paul to scripture. You know why? Because Paul, he, he, his, he said, you know what? When I preach the gospel, they added nothing to it. And he says, if I or even an angel from heaven will come and preach any other gospel, let him be what? Accursed. So why do people, why do, why do, why are Christians are under a curse in so many, so many places? Simply because what has been preached to them is a false gospel. Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 27. Now after the king had burned the scroll with the words which Baruch had written at the instruction of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, what did, what did, what did it come? Look at, it, look at what it says. Take yet another scroll. <laughs> you see, just because you don't like the, the words in the, in the, in the, in the pages of this book and you take this book and you burn it, what will happen to the word of God? It will burn? Hmm? A lot of people know, they get offended. They tear the they tear the uh, the Bible and they and they and they say oh we are tearing our Bible okay okay I'm not saying that it's it's a it's, you should condone such an act but you know what just because you're tearing the Bible and putting it into the fire it doesn't mean that the word of God has lost its power the word of God is like a hammer the word that has gone out of my mouth will accomplish the purpose for which which has, which for which it has been spoken it will come to pass forever my word has been settled in the in the heavens the word of God says okay take yet another scroll. And write on it, and look at this, all the former words that are written in the first scroll which Jehoiakim the king of Judah has burned. And what should I do? Verse 29. And you shall say to Jehoiakim the king of Judah, thus says the Lord, you have burned this scroll saying, why have you written it in the king, in, in it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and cause man and beast to cease from this land? That means he didn't like this message. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim the king of Judah, he shall have no one to sit on the throne of David and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat of the day and to the frost of the night. Let's move on. And I will punish him, his family and his servants for their iniquity and I will bring on them and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem and on the men of Judah all the doom that I have pronounced against them. But they did not heed. So what did he do? Verse 32. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it the instruction of Jeremiah, all the words of the book which Jehoiakim the king of Judah had burned on the fire. And besides, there were added to them many other <laughs> similar words. That means that is the reason why Jeremiah is only, was only supposed to be 35 chapters maybe. I don't know. And because he burnt, it is 52 chapters. 51 chapters, whatever. See, it's one of the longest uh, books in the Bible. 52 chapters. 52 chapters were given. You see? Just because the word of God has been torn, it doesn't mean it will not come to your life. Just because you call something which is not sin, doesn't mean it will not become sin in the eyes of God. Just because you have burned the word of God in your life, it doesn't mean that the word of God will not come to pass in your life. It will come to pass. Therefore, you have to hear the word of God and be healed from your infirmities. Respond and say, Lord, how do we respond? One, one last verse and we will stop. Nehemiah chapter 
8 verse 8 to 10. So they read distinctly from the book. They only read boss. They didn't even preach in the law of God. And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And was in. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For the people, for all the people, what? Wept when they heard the words of the law. Verse 10. Then he said, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send the portions to those to whom nothing is prepared. For this is the ho- this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know why the joy of the Lord becomes his strength? Because they mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. For they shall be comforted. They mourned at the weepings. When they started reading the law, they said, Lord, where are we? What were we supposed to do? What was our position? And where have we come to? And they started weeping. The word of the Lord had come to pass. Even though Jehoiakim and all the kings tried to tear the word of God, the word of God was never torn. It has come to pass. And Lord, therefore, let me not add to it. Let me not subtract from it. Let me submit to it. And let the word of God cause me to repent. So that the joy of the Lord will be my strength. Amen. How is your response to God's word? It's very important to God. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this day. We just looked at one chapter from the book of Jeremiah. We just read it, O Lord. We didn't even try to exposit it. And I pray, Father, that all of us will take your word seriously. And we will be like Jeremiah. When your words were found, O Lord, I ate it. It was the joy and the delight of my heart. And I pray, Father, that you would find, if not in all of us, at least in some of us, the desire, O Lord, to receive the whole counsel of God and to come under the instruction of the word of God and not to seek great things for ourselves. Thank you, Father. Bless us to that end, we pray. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.